is the Enter Sadman podcast. Every rock and metal album you should own. Reviewed, rated, and ranked. Well, hello once again, and welcome to the Enter Sad Men podcast. Here we are again, Richard here. I'm here with Mark and Steve, as always. And here we are doing episode number 54. Quite a special episode because it's the episode at last where we really do get to review metal. Uh, that's the theme. Come on, feel the alloys is uh, our working title of, of this episode. And uh, we've delved into the past to pluck out again three of our selected three good albums that uh, we're going to review and rate and rank track by track, because that's how we do it to see where these albums are going to end up in our Hall of Fame. What do we choose? Well, uh, we'll talk about that just in a second. But just to say, please do visit us on at www.entersadmen.co.uk, where you can find all the information about us, about what we do, about the albums we've reviewed, and of course, the Hall of Fame itself. Uh, Follow us uh, and look up, look us up on Facebook, Twitter, etc., etc., etc. And uh, well, you found this podcast, you can pretty much get it everywhere. Gents, let's get on with uh, this episode and introduce the albums that we are bringing to the party right now. Mark, how did you get on with metal? Yeah, hello, boys. Um, yeah, uh, well. So you two went very literal, didn't you? We we said we've got to do metal, and so you two went really literal. I went slightly less literal, I suppose. And I went back to 1985, and I ignored all of the obvious stuff that I could have chosen. And instead, I went for a small band from Leicestershire called Chrome Molly, who some of you might be aware of. I imagine that the further away from the UK you live, the less aware you will be of them, unless you're really into your British mid-80s uh, hard rock. Uh, but yeah, Chrome Molly, with their album from their debut album from 1985, you can't have it all dot, 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 or can you? And Steve, uh, what about you? Well, you know, Metallica, we're running through those a bit, aren't we? Had a look at that. Steelheart, toyed with them. Um, and I was actually, I had a look at, and then realised the folly of my ways. I had a look at um, Iron Butterfly and Inagada, whatever it's called. And then... Um, Gada La Vida, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then I realised it was 1968. So I uh, thought, well, I could ruin it. And I listened to it and thought, nah, shit anyway. So don't bother with that. So I've gone for um, Metal Church, which I love. Second album, The Dark. <laughs> The sublime to the ridiculous. <laughs> I'm butterfly to metal church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, the the difference between the longest tracks is about seventeen minutes. But um, anyway, there you go. <laughs> Richard, what did you choose? Yeah, I, I avoided the obvious as as well. And um, yeah, I think we've got just a trio of fairly different albums, haven't we, uh, for this episode? So I went across the pond from the UK, but uh, to Canada. And uh, I've uh, brought along a good old sort of slice of Canadian metal uh, in uh, the form of a band called Sword. Again, uh, a band that maybe some of you out there haven't heard before. And uh, their debut album, which was called Metalized, and that was from 1986. So, yeah, I think uh, three pretty different albums. Some of the stuff you may not have heard out there. Uh, and just to give you a bit of a taster uh, as to what's coming, here's a little snippet of a few of the tracks from each of those. When you're here to 
so there you go. That's um, that's what these three albums sound like in uh, their briefest of forms. Um, so we review them, and we review them in chronological order, always do. So first up, as Mark says, from Leicester, Leicester, England, Chrome Molly, and you can't have it all, dot, dot, dot. Mark, what's so good about this? Opening album sleeve notes. I often go first, because usually I'm stuck in the 1970s, but I'm going first despite moving to the middle of the 1980s, which is quite surprising. Although I have to say, Richard, when the words Canadian metal came out of your mouth, I knew we weren't <laughs> going to be doing Caress of Steel by Rush, um, which is what I thought you might have gone for. Um, so Chrome Molly, yeah, well, what to say about Chrome Molly? Well, first of all, you'll find out something about Chrome Molly because there's absolutely naff all around, really, that, to tell you anything about the early years of the band. They are still going. I watched a few YouTube videos of them actually, and they sound really good in their dotage, um, much better arguably than they did back in 1985. But what we have here is a very raw debut from a band that I think are quite accomplished, who never really made it. They they did a couple of albums and then sort of disappeared without trace until resurfacing back in the sort of fairly uh, fairly recent past. I suspect one of the reasons why they didn't make it was the album cut, the artwork they chose for the album cover for this album, which, if you're familiar with it, uh, depicts a very large lady on a, I think it's a Rolls Royce, is it a Rolls Royce or a Bentley? Yeah, a white Rolls Royce, isn't it? White yeah, Rolls. Yeah, and um, and it just, it kind of just screams, this is a bit raw and amateur, and you know, in a, an age when heavy metal bands were putting extremely voluptuous and vivacious young women on the cover they went the complete opposite i'm sure the per i'm sure the model on the cover is a lovely lady um but you know she didn't fit the stereotype of heavy metal in the day you wouldn't get away with it now anyway but the point is people didn't buy the record so what else can we say well let's do some basic album uh information from uh this band as say formed in leicester in England, not exactly the industrial heartland of heavy metal, but you know, uh, a rocking good place and close enough to Donington that it gets an honorary pass anyway. Recorded in uh, 1985, either late 84, early to mid 95, who knows? As I say, you can't find out anything about it. Released in 1985, date exact date unknown, but on the Power Station Records label, another short lived label. Runs around 36, 37 minutes, produced by a couple of guys who probably no one's ever heard of called Ray Neve and Andy Paul. No idea where it was recorded. This is their debut album, so it doesn't have anything before it. Stick It Out came next. And, well, the, the band, Steve Hawkins on vocals, John Antcliffe on guitars, Nick Wastel or Wastel on bass. Sorry, Nick, if I've uh, pronounced your name wrong. What I would say is there's no C in Nick, it's N-I-K, and Mark godfrey on drums didn't chart anywhere not even in leicestershire uh, has um 10 tracks on it uh which are thanks for the angst cut loose too far gone set me free living a lie and then on the flip side don't fight dirty lose again take it or leave it one at a time and come back how do you describe it i suppose it's post nwobum nwobum really if this had been released back in 81 uh with the same exactly the same production exactly the same composition exactly the same performance i think this might have done pretty well unfortunately it wasn't released in 1981 it was released in 1985 and the world had moved on but from a, a musical point of view i think it's a 
a solid album. I don't think there are any absolute howlers on it. I didn't really listen to it very much on its first release. I kind of liked the opening track, Thanks for the Angst, um, wasn't really bothered about the rest of it. And coming back to it now, I think it stood the test of time reasonably well. I mean, uh, I'm not sitting here going, saying that it's, you know, it's going to be up there with, you know, the Black Album or Back in Black or Led Zeppelin 4. It certainly isn't. It's going to sit near somewhere either mid-table or near the bottom, I would imagine. But it's a decent effort from a young band starting out in their career who probably might have gone on to do bigger and better things if they'd been given the chance and if their careers hadn't really stalled at album two. How did you two get on with it? It's grown on me through the week, as you say. I think they've got a lot of talent. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. I've tried to find the story and and what happened to them. Thanks for the angst. I think is the the song that a lot of people know them for, aren't they? Isn't it? Because because that's the opener. But I think there are better songs on the rest of the album than that. Yeah, great. Yeah, no howlers. Bit up and down, but it's yeah. I it, they they've certainly got some catchy tunes. Um, it and uh, it's a good enjoyable listen. Yeah. I, I can see Steve looking thoughtful, which always suggests that maybe there's more to this than we're, we're seeing. <laughs> no, there isn't. There genuinely isn't. <laughs> Trust me, there is not. No, just to set you right on um, not even a household name in his own household about Roy Neve. Yeah. He, was the, he was an engineer on Get Your Rocks Off. Like I say, he's not, not known anywhere <laughs> other than his own household. And bless him, I'm sure he's done other things since then that's yes, sure are worthy of note. But, Roy, uh, yeah. I'm being facetious. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're pleased that you had a hand in this album. Um, it's just the rest of the album I'm not bothered about. Um, it's, it's not the production. Just a bit anemic, isn't it? I mean, it's not bad. It doesn't have any personality, really. Nothing about it to kind of elevate it um, from being just a bit... Well, a bit dull, if I'm honest. The, the comparison's obvious because, well, well, there's no comparisons here because we're just doing three different bands. But you can't help but the fact we've been listening to Sword and Metal Church the same week that we've been listening to Chrome Molly. And whatever you think about those other two albums, at least they've got some snap, you know, a bit of crack, a bit of energy, um, which this just doesn't have. It just sort of limps along rather than thunders along. You know, I'm, I'm getting a bunch of lads who are bang up for it, you know, apparently on a live show, smashing out some half-decent tunes, but that's kind of all they are. Yeah, you know. Well, I think do you know what I think that's I think that's harsh but probably fair because when you think about it, these albums, all these three albums were released within two years of each other. Yeah, I know. And they, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they sound completely different. Mm. They? they are there's no doubt that you know the, 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 the other two that we're listening to are a step up in all sorts of ways yeah. from this. And all right, yeah, Metal Church is their second album, but we're talking about two debut albums. Uh, yeah, tonight. I know, and and one is far better than the other. Yeah, I mean, I did give this a few more listens. Obviously, I mean, uh, and it, hoping it would reveal a bit more, and it just it just didn't. I mean, that's that's because you know we've been through this many many times, haven't we? You, you keep persevering with an album, and you'll pick up different things. It just didn't happen with this, but n- not in a painful way, just kind of more in a wearisome way, um, <laughs> which isn't exactly. Can this get any worse? (laughs) (laughs) They're dancing in the streets of Wraith tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, how many many more albums did they do before things started to fade? Uh, That was it. Stick It Out was the last one. Just the two, right. Okay. 
and then they kind of disappear without trace for a while. And um, and it, I, do you know what? I think it's a shame. It's a bit like a lot of the bands that we've talked about over the the sort of the two hundred, uh, the hundred and whatever it is for the podcast so far. I think there is enough in this album to suggest, and there is enough actually in the follow because I have listened to it. There's enough in that to suggest that they might actually have gone on and become pretty good but i guess we're at a time 1985 when you know the labels even power station particularly probably an independent like power station are looking for a hit band aren't they mm. and this is not bon jovi you look at bon jovi's debut album and you go they are going to be massive and we'll mm. sign them and we'll put some money behind it yeah. you don't get that with this well that which classically begs the question you know presumably there's many people well, maybe not within the within the um label because it's a very small label but there must have been people around chrome molly who said right this is what you need to do lads there's there's mtv out there there's all sorts of things out there this is what you need to do and did they say well actually no we're going to carry on doing what we do because we like what we do I, I don't know i don't know the answer to that but that you know that they Missed opportunities. Any band who didn't make it in the mid eighties, surely it was a missed opportunity because there was um there was gold to be made, wasn't there? If you if you well, conformed. Yeah, I mean we we yeah, we talked, didn't we, not so long ago about Tigers of Pantang and mm. how you know how they stuck to their principles and refused to kind of play the 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 game. Um yeah. and there's another band that that should have been massive but weren't maybe Chrome Molly did the same. Maybe Chrome Molly went, no, this is what we do. Yeah, we're going to make it this way. We're not going to make it at all. And unfortunately for them, they didn't make it at all. But um, yeah. let's, give it, let's give it a listen and talk about some of the high points and some of the not-so-high points and see where it lands ultimately in the Hall of Fame. So uh, the album kicks off with Thanks for the Angst, which, um, as you said, Richard, is probably the one song on the album that some people will be aware of because... Um, that was the one that kind of prompted me to go out and buy the album. I don't know where I heard it, but I, I came across it and thought, well, that's rather good. I'll see what they're like. It's got big gang chorus. It's got quite a catchy riff on it. As you say, there are better songs on the album. I, I, what I would say about this album, I think, is side one is very definitely better than side two, I think. Because I, I actually think with one possible exception, um, side one uh, is pretty rocking really i think they do a pretty good job of you know stuff over the first five songs i think it's got some nice you know there's some there's some lovely guitar solos on it there's some quite catchy riffs and stuff um but yeah thanks for the hanks i think that gets the gets the album off to a good start yeah you can see why they were signed can't you I think I think this is punchy steve saying it's not punchy it's got some decent attack on it i mean the the production's pretty light isn't it and I think that's what did him for a lot of these bands uh, that were trying to make it. But yeah, I like, I like the riffs, like the fills. Uh, this is good, solid stuff. Yeah, I'm just checking my scores before I go into one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Mark, I, I, I echo your thoughts, Mark. I think side one is far better than side two as well. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I like um, no, no, no. The, the point about the punch is it's a general perception because I like Thanks with the Angst. I think it is a great open. I think there's loads of energy with this. I like that big harmonic chorus. That's quite edgy. And yeah, I'm sitting here listening to three or so minutes of this and thinking, yep, if, if this is where we're going, then um, this will be fun. Um, but it's not where we go, and 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 they do lose their crack and and their edge. I think personally, but um, I've got no problem with Thanks with the Angst at all. It's probably the best track off the album. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think 
you know, it it carries on. I think it's pretty consistent. The first side, we'll talk about living a lie um, before we get to the end of it, which kind of I think is probably the red flag that signals the downward turn. It's the last track on side one, but I've scored most of these tracks pretty evenly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the first side of the album, and and to be honest, if this had carried on into side two, I think we would have gone. Do you know, that's, that's not a half mm-hmm. bad album. I mean, personally, I quite like it anyway. And like Richard, yeah. it's grown on me over the week. But, you know, Cut Loose, for example, I think that's got a you know, nice little punchy riff going to it. Yeah, great chorus, quite catchy. You know, it is quite a poppy album. Um, mm. I'll, I'll give it that. I suppose the one thing you could say about the band is, do they really know who and what they are? Because... This is fine. If you had 10 tracks like these, you'd go, there, okay, that's good, yeah. Well, that's that's a nice foundation to go from. Would you want another album with 10 tracks like this? Probably not. Yeah, well, that's the that's exactly the point I was thinking. Surely this is them, and this is what they like to do, and this is when they go to the clubs and the pubs and they play this stuff, and I wondered if there was really any great ambition or aspiration to do anything different or better mm. or... or, or you know, livelier or, well, not livelier, that's a slightly insulting word, you know, just changing it up, you know, and I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I, I did read an interview, with, oh, I saw an interview on YouTube, I think, with Steve Hawkins. He just seemed like a really sort of, you know, contented young man playing the music that he liked to play and had yeah. no interest in changing it, really. And again, I'm second-guessing him, but that's what I get. I suspect they didn't get a lot of direction or pressure or in- interference from the label. No. That, that's what I get out of this. I think they went in and made the record that they wanted to make. And I think if they've had some, somebody on the other side of the glass with a bit more experience than than these two fellas, um, <laughs> you know, with all due respect. And I and I mean that because I can't yeah. I can't produce an album, so they've got far more talent than I have. But I think if they'd had some just somebody, a John Verity or somebody who'd who could just direct them a bit more and and maybe shape them a bit more and get them to do yeah. things outside their comfort zone. Maybe it would have turned out different. Yeah, well, so someone would have had a word with them about that album cover, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, precisely, yeah. I mean, in terms of the strengths of sides, I, I actually prefer side two. I, I feel that Cut Loose and then I mean, that's followed by Too Far Gone um, are, are where it dips for me, comes back up. Um, for for semi free, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, but I mean, cut loose is fine. Driving riff like that, but I don't think there's anything mind blowing. Pretty catchy chorus, sort of vocal hook, I guess. But uh, you know, too far gone. One of the issues with that is the guitars are so far back in the mix, so it's almost a bit riffless. Yeah, I I, I kind of had a bit of a problem with too far gone to begin with, but over the week. It's really grown on me. But it's the vocal harmonies. The, the one thing they have got right in a lot of yeah. these songs are the vocal harmonies so the, on, on the uh, choruses. And then, of course, you get the ballad, which is Set Me Free. And and, and I think, you know, yeah, do you know what? I think probably my favourite two tracks on the album are Too Far Gone and Set Me Free. And after that, it just it kind of goes off a, off a cliff. Well, not off a cliff, but it declines rapidly. This is is interesting enough. Side one is interesting enough to keep keep me my ears perked. Mm-hmm. But clearly, you think, Richard, that they've got more to offer on side two that yeah. maybe I'm not hearing. Yeah, yeah, for me. But I like Set Me Free. I like the start. I mean, I mean Hawkins is a decent singer. I mean, he shows yeah, it on he Set is. Me Free, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And it, it's, it, for, for a slower song, it's got some interesting bits. I like the solo, like that sort of power break in the middle of it. Uh, so there's, yeah, there's some bits going on here, you know. And then you've got, of course, Side comes out with Living a Lie, which it's my low point. Well, no, it's not actually. My low point of the album comes at the end of the album, but it's not far off. It would be a toss-up between this and Come Back right at the end. But um, it's one of those tracks, Living a Lie, which just seems a bit... It's almost... I think they kind of thought, well, where do we put this? And they well, let's put it at the end of side one. They would, I think, been better off just leaving it off the album entirely, but maybe you disagree. Trying some, just trying something a little different one now, I think. Um, it's one of the, it's it actually, unfortunately, it just it sort of morphs into one of the sort of blander songs on here, less memorable numbers on here anyway. It's not the low point for me, but it's not ruffling any feathers particularly. I think it's the first time that guitarist John Ancliffe gets let off the leash with a bit of a whaler of a solo, which is um, yeah. nice to hear. But it's not a great song. No, you sign off side one feeling a bit dispirited, or I do anyway. Oh, well, let's, you know, flip it over. And then we get to Don't Fight Dirty, which I quite like. I don't. Go on, Steve. I don't like either of the first two. I think they're very, I don't like Don't Fight Dirty, Don't Like Lose Again. I never like Walking on Sunshine, so I was never going to like Don't Fight Dirty. I, I find it moderately annoying on several levels. There's a guitar sound in it that really irritates. Uh, it's, it's impossible to tell you what that is you just got to listen to it it's a it's a big bug there and unfortunately it dominates the song which is thankfully short i will say that about it um not a good start to side two for me i'm also getting a little bit agitated by um mark godfrey's drums he's very much a timekeeper isn't he there's only one neil peer but um i'd like a you know he, he can he can join in if he wants other than just you know keeping a beat but you'd, you'd, you'd at least like a neil pear <laughs> yeah. A Noel Peart. A Noel yeah. Peart would be fine. <laughs> or even a Neil P. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least the guitars are back. At least you're going to hear them on this. By this stage, and we talked earlier about the, yeah, the harmonised vocals and they're catchy, but by this point, I've made the note that all the choruses just seem to be repeated <laughs> harmonised uh, singing of the title of the track. Uh, yes, yeah, true. Yeah, it is true. It is true. And I'm assuming that it's that, Steve, it's that harmonic that kind of pings in. That is yeah. that what's annoying you? Is yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. it is. Okay. Well identified. Well, look, let, well if it's annoying you as if you've noted it, then it must be annoying you as well. Yeah. Unless you find it amazing, and I doubt you do. No, I don't. No, no. <laughs> but let's put you out of your misery and move on to some other tracks on. on yeah, well, this isn't gonna work, unfortunately, because I don't like um <laughs> I don't like losing again either for very different reasons. <laughs> I find it just utterly monotonous. It's a bit school bandish, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's okay. It's okay, but um, there's no spark. No spark in, in, in this track at all. But but that's it, isn't it? That That's the thing about the band as a whole, is they're okay. You know? They're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, some, yeah, absolutely. They, they, if you take that sort of median line of mm. okay, they occasionally rise, rise above it and they occasionally dip below it. But actually, as a whole, the album is okay. Mm-hmm. And and that's the problem, ultimately. Lose again, you fan or not, Richard? I think it's a step up um, from the side to opener. There's more variety on this. There's more arrangement. There's some differences in in sort of emphasis. The drumming's a bit better. There's there's a bit more going on in the drumming. I quite like the chorus arrangement, and the, I quite like the break towards the end. So yeah, I, I think Lose Again's all right. 
Blimey, you okay. got far more sophisticated here than I've got. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't clock any of that. <laughs> Maybe you need to l- listen to it a bit more, Steve. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and with my headphones on next time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you what I do like, though. I do like Take It or Leave It. It's, it's the second yeah. best song on the album for me. I think that's a bit different. It, that is, I found that had something else about it that you don't get on a lot of, on most of the tracks on the album. So yeah, I'm a I'm I'm very up for take it mm. or leave it. Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? I mean, a li- little bit of a Robert Palmer kind of start, I thought. But yeah, catchy chorus again. This has got just a bit more structure, a bit more personality to it. Yes, that's the key word. Absolutely, it does. When they when they do come out of a come out of their shell and try something a little bit different, yeah, I was thinking Strange Ways as much as Robert Palmer for that opening. I like that sort of um, tin hat sound. And also, I, the, the, when he break when he first when Hawkins first breaks into that vocal, I get a little bit, you know, almost Vince Neil. This is not Motley Crue, ladies and gentlemen, but um, just a, a little bit of that in that opening vocal. Yeah, I like it. I think they are influenced by it. They've, you can hear some of the influences, I think, of the band in here. I think you're right, Vince Neil. There's a bit of Dio going on in some of the guitar lines uh, mm. through, through the album as mm-hmm. well. Mm. They're using stuff that they've heard, I think, but not doing, I guess, the next bit of that job, which is to mould it into something that is them. So what, what you're doing is you're transplanting stuff, you know, influences that you've picked up along the road and trying to build them into songs without actually kind of going, right, well, how does that define our sound? But it's good enough, I mm-hmm. think, that, you know, would I listen to this album again? Yeah, absolutely, I would. And that, I think, ultimately, that that's um, the, the measure of it, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. would you go and listen to it again? Um, and again, one at, one at a time, which is kind of the penultimate track on the album, I think that's that's pretty decent. In fact, I think Take It or Leave It and One at a Time are are probably the two picks of, of side two, personally. Mm. Okay. Yeah, t- I'm take it or leave, it's my my track of the album. Uh, one at a time, yeah, I like as well. Bit youth gone wild. Okay, and then, well, uh, the final track on the album. Um, well, do you know what? I said, you know, they would have been better off leaving it off. I, I don't think the album would have suffered through not having it there, but it, it's just all a bit kind of, bit shouty and a bit, it's sort of I don't know. I've heard this so many times, done so much better by other bands. I just think I'm kind of sitting here going, "Oh, they've done that." But yeah, you know. well, no, see, I, I agree with you on that. I've heard this done better by the bands, but I haven't heard this done by Chrome Molly yet. So I quite like it. I like yeah, that little okay. injection of pace, mm, um, yeah. you know, which I've been sort of waiting for. Um, I think if this had been the first track, I'd probably like it. Well, that's no, not fair. Cause I, I like Thanks for the Angst, but you know, if this had been you know track two, track three. Mm. Um, I might have a, well, I wouldn't have had a different view of the album. The same tracks just juggled up, but I'm fed up with the drumming utterly, by the way, by this point. But I do <laughs> like, um, um, but treat this on its merits, come back, and it's, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I'm with you, Steve. I think it's real energy to finish. There's some riffing. There's actually some riffing yes. in here. Yes. So, yeah, I'm I'm happy with this as an end. Yep. Okay. Well, that is, uh, that's the end of the album. Um, highs and lows, Steve. Um, yeah, so, well, the lows are don't fight dirty, lose again. I'll say don't fight dirty, and I can't really separate thanks for the angst and set me free, but um, it kicks off the album well, so I'll go with the opener. Thanks for the angst. Richard? Yeah, uh, low for me, I think, cut loose. It's okay, but it's just, just, just a bit too straightforward for me. 
Yeah, and as I said just now, uh, take it or leave it is my high. Okay. Uh, well, my high uh, is set me free, um, and my low is, well, it's come back, but it was a toss-up between that and living a lie. But as I say, no howlers. I haven't scored anything below six, and I haven't scored anything below above 7.9 either. So there's nothing at eight or above, but it's a perfectly decent album, I think. Chrome Molly, we'll see where that lands when we come to score it a bit later on, but it's time to move on by one year. In fact, the uh, next two albums that we're talking about are both released in the same year. In fact, released within, well, two, three months of each other. And the first one, well, we're going over the Atlantic to Canada and metalized from Sword. Um, this must be, Richard, your second most favourite Canadian band. <laughs> yes. Well, no, apart from Brian Adams, obviously. Obviously, yes. Sorry, I forgot. Forgot no. about Brian. Yeah. Opening album sleeve notes. Yes, Sword. A little bit about them first. They uh, were formed by the Hughes brothers, Rick, who's the singer, and his brother Dan on drums in uh, in mid eighties, age forty five, and they were doing the clubs. And there was a guy called uh, Pierre Paradis who saw them, and he. He was a manager and, and well, I think manager first, maybe record producer second. He took them on and eventually they uh, caught the attention of Aquarius Records and uh, they recorded Metalized in early mid 86 and it was released in August 86. It was released on GWR uh, over here in the UK. Pierre Paradis also produced the album with the band. Uh, it was recorded at Phase One Studios in Toronto. And yeah, I mean, as a result, they they got some interest. Uh, they got some support slots for uh, Alice Cooper. They opened for Motorhead in the UK, and uh, Metallica handpicked them uh, when uh, the Master of Puppets tour uh, went around. Well, Quebec certainly. I don't know if they went any wider than Quebec or the rest of Canada. Dave Mustaine quite likes them, so you know they've they had some some famous fans, and that they. They didn't do too bad, but I guess a, a bit like uh, Chrome Molly. After sort of a couple of albums, they they, they kind of faded uh, into uh, into obscurity. They've come back. They've, 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 they've played some uh, some gigs and uh, reformed. I think I think done a, an album more recently. But I think Metalized still held up as uh, their finest work. Chart wise, didn't really do anything, or certainly I couldn't find anything. Track wise, well, it's another ten tracker. They always were in those days, weren't they? So side one. Uh, FTW, Follow the Wheels, Children of Heaven, Stoned Again, Dare to Spit, and Outer Control. Uh, side two, End of the Night, Runaway, Where to Hide, Stuck in Rock, and Evil Spell. In terms of sound, as I said earlier, I mean, this is just this is a big slab of Canadian heavy metal. It's good, mid paced, riffing, chugging. Again, I, I don't think it. It sort of rises or dips too much in in terms of in terms of quality. Yeah, I've enjoyed discovering it. I bought a copy. I think it was worth worth that enough. I wouldn't say it's necessarily essential listening, uh, but um, probably from me at least recommended. What about you two? Come on, what what constitutes essential listening? I mean, I'm, it's pretty close to essential for me as far as I'm okay. concerned. Good. Um, and and I haven't gone out and bought it, and it's, you know, my chagrin. I shall. I should. I would, but I probably won't. But um, that doesn't mean it's not great. It's. Um, I would suggest it's one of my, um, yeah, one of my favourite unheralded albums of the uh, of the pod so far. It's an album I didn't particularly know. Um, I knew one track pretty well, more of which in a bit. 
um, but certainly didn't know the rest of the album. And uh, yeah, I love it. But then I love Armoured Saint and I love Accept. And you, you've alluded to all this, Richard. You know, I love Rough Cut and I love Iron Maiden. And that's what we've got here. We've got an amalgam of kind of all that and more. And I just think it's a slab of kind of, you know, classy power metal. You know, they can they can smash out a riff, um, but also add some nice sort of, you know, wonderfully melodic touches and great songwriting. It's not primitive by any stretch. You know, there's a really good overall sonic effect here, I think. My problem, I can't, I don't for the life of me, I cannot work it out, and maybe you can help me out. It's almost laughable they didn't make it, in my view. In my eyes, I don't get it. Just what do you have to do? You know, I, I, I simply, you know, according to Rick Hewn, be Californian or British. That, that's not my, that's, that's his words, not mine. He reckoned they simply hailed from the wrong country to make it. And he'd have an argument, of course, except to pop from that band called uh, Rush. But I mean, but there were several other classy Canadian bands, as we know. Well, I think we all know the likes of sort of Coney Hatch and Voivod or two that stick out who didn't mm. make it, didn't get yeah. far Anvil. out of the trap. So. Anvil. An Anvil, an Anvil, yeah. <laughs> April Wine. April Wine's Anvil. another one. Triumph. Um, Helix. Uh, this this game could like, run and run, couldn't it? But um, there were. <laughs> so maybe Rush. But having said all that, maybe therefore Rush are the exception <laughs> rather than the rule. And Hughes did have a point. Um, because. Well, or the or the marketing department at Aquarius are just so shite that um that they didn't realise what they had. As you said, they were handpicked by Metallica for fuck's sake. I mm. mean, they were out there. You know, they were out there. Um, and I think this album's great, and it's it's a crime that more people don't know it. I, I agree. I bought this album when it came out. On the basis of the album cover, I I think that, I know that's an alien concept for you, Richard. But <laughs> I actually bought it. I saw the album yeah. cover and thought that looks interesting. I will risk five pounds of my you know my pocket money to buy that or my <laughs> earnings at that stage. I think I was actually in work. Um, but, yeah, and, um, and now and now after forty years that you've dusted it off <laughs> after buying it on the album cover alone. <laughs> yeah, and I I listened to it and I got uh, I got very very interested in Stuck in Rock, uh, which is on side two, and thought that's a bloody brilliant song that is and a fantastic riff on it and and interestingly enough I didn't I didn't bother with the rest of the album at all really I, I when we came back to it this week. Didn't really remember it particularly well, but I can I can honestly put my hand on my heart and say that you know after the last what is it week ten days of listening to it, Stuck in Rock is not my least favourite, but there are much much better songs on this album than that one I think. Mm. And I, like you, I don't know I don't know why they didn't make it. So yeah, I mean you can see whether Hughes did have a point, don't you? Because if, if actually they they hailed of somewhere out of mainland Europe, um, yeah, they'd have been loved to death, wouldn't they? Yeah, the next Halloween. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, all right. Well, um, enough of the blabbing about the uh, background. Let's start to blab about the tracks. Um, we'll get on side one now. So as I say, so FTW, Follow the Wheels, Children of Heaven, Stoned Again, Dare to Spit, and Out of Control are the five. The album starts off rather nicely, I think, with some great, nice, big power chords and then into an absolutely chugging riff. There's a nice pace to it, nice bit of aggression, and it does, doesn't it? Uh, Follow the Wheels does sound very Euro metal. <laughs> I do like it. It's Iron Maiden, isn't it? Yeah, it's Iron Maiden. There's a maidenness <laughs> yeah. to that guy. Yeah. It's good. I've already, it's good. I already know, and I already know I'm going to like Rick Hughes's vocals as well. I, I like, I like the, I like the start of this. I think it's, mm. um, you, you know, you, you get a sense straight away, don't you? 
that this mm. is going to be a, a, a decent a decent lump of rock. They're all up for it, aren't they? That's mm. that's what you get from side one, track one. Yeah. I think the, the, the one thing that I have an issue with, and, and I, I think this is true for me on a lot of the album, is sometimes the, the chorus just sucks all the pace out of the of the track. And I get a bit of that with this. It's not, you know, it's not a deal-breaking problem um you know it's still a bloody good track but, yeah. but just when you want that riff just to carry on it kind of stops and they they kind of put the brakes on a bit yeah to that's go a really good point i hadn't yeah i hadn't noticed yeah because the, the yeah the choruses are uh, then played at half half the tempo of the verses yeah. aren't they particularly on this yeah on this opener yeah 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 i know what you mean and maybe it's just maybe that's their thing maybe that's that's their shtick they wind it back for the choruses and then just let loose again Oh, I think there's some really choice choruses on there. I think there really are. A couple of absolute stonkers. I'm um, not disagreeing with you, Steve. Yeah. I'm just saying that there, sometimes you, you want the riff underneath okay. to keep going. Okay. I mean, well, I'll, I'll give you, as a counter-argument, I'll give you Children of Heaven. Well, I love the riff, <laughs> but I love the chorus. But I'm glad the chorus happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, hey, there you go. For me, Children of Heaven's a, a step up slightly yeah. faster it really cruises along. Do you know what I mean? Good headbanger, good melodies in the chorus, isn't there? And then it drops back into that riff. Yeah, I do like Children Him. I can see instantly, we're only five minutes into this album and I can see, uh, and this is already head and shoulders above Chrome Mollies. I can almost I can almost see the glint on the guitar pickups on this. You know what I mean? It just shines. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's an evocative phrase. <laughs> you I know like what I mean, that. though? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I do know what you mean. I know. Exactly and if Chrome and if Chrome Molly were on the same bill, the cloud would have covered the sun. That's what I'm now telling you. Now you're stretching. Now you're stretching. I know. I mean, it's got a lovely soaring end as well, isn't it? And a bloody good solid finish. It really finishes with a bang. Yeah. yeah. All I would say is stop fucking yelping. <laughs> it just drives me nuts. Oh no, I don't. Yeah, no, I know. I don't mind his yell. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, you, yeah, but most of the stuff you listen to <laughs> is like cats <laughs> making love anyway. So, <laughs> you, I'm a child of Blackie. That's fine. I don't mind a bit yelping. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, track three. Uh, track three is well, a pretty nice bass-driven uh, song called "Stoned Again." And it's a bit more glam metal uh, for me. Apparently, this track finds its way into one of Dave Mustaine's top ten lists of uh, of tracks. It, he's got a few. If you look around, it, it does yeah. it does vary a little bit. But uh, yeah, there, stoned again is in one of them. Is it is is that list the top ten sword tracks? <laughs> yeah, or the or the top ten tracks when Dave Mustaine was stoned again. I mean, <laughs> I love this. I love this track. This yeah. is my track of the album. My okay. track of the album. Well, closely pushed by the next one, actually. But yeah, it, it just edges it. I think it is. I might change my mind. It's glam with nuts. It's sleazy in it, but not in a poison way. It's a heavy sleaze, and it's um, and it's also interesting, Mark. Because, uh, sorry, Richard, because if you said the way um, you love the way Children of Heaven ended, and it did, and it just crashed, and then bang straight into the start of this, where it mm. just drops into a bit of sleaze. Uh, you know, you couldn't have written it. Well, except that they did. 
But I mean, it's um, <laughs> brilliant. It's just just perfect. I'm not rearranging those tracks. Well, that's, well, that's well, well, that, well, that's that's going to be the first time ever, Steve. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, Mark. Are you, so you're you're a fan of Dare to Spit as well, then? Uh, track, track four of, of side one. Yeah, I am a fan of Dare to Spit. It's um. This is this is. I don't see now. Over the last seven days, I've been wondering what sort of drugs I was on when I first listened to this album, because there is absolutely no reason why I shouldn't have liked this when I bought it. This is the. This is absolutely what I was listening to. I, I don't get it. I don't understand myself. I'm a mystery to myself. <laughs> An enigma wrapped up in a mystery. Yeah. I actually can't articulate myself on this song, which is a bit of a disadvantage given it's a podcast. But um, what, I mean, the fuck? <laughs> I mean, um, um, um. <laughs> it's just, oh, this is towering. This is track of the album. I just, yeah, just, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'll, and I'll say it again. <laughs> yeah, no, it's an, it's an absolute thunderer of a riff. Great harmonies. Hughes, and Hughes screams and singing. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then there's a third riff they bring in. Unbelievably good. The meat of this song is absolute dynamite. Power metal never got better than this. Track mm -hmm. of the album. Brilliant. It's such a surprise, isn't it? It starts off with that sort of that crunching riff, mm. and then and then about a minute and a half just changes into that. Changes up again, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it drops into this absolutely fucking brutal riff as well. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. In fact, let me correct myself. I did say that I might change my my mind by the end of this conversation, and actually now I've listened to it again, I have changed my mind. This is the track of the album. Yeah. <laughs> I'll rest my case. Uh, and, a, and a hell of a finish. I mean, they really, they pull it all in on that finish, don't they? Yeah. Um, okay, uh, and then side one finishes with Out of Control. Um, yeah, I mean, it starts with really weird sort of harpsichordy, chimey things. I mean, not unlike Tokyo Road. Thankfully, they don't last for long. I mean, into the what? I mean, this, this is the fastest uh, tempo of the album so far, I think, isn't it? I mean, this is very nearly thrash, Steve. Well, I was, I was thinking Four Horsemen, something like that. That's the kind of level of you know bollocks we're talking here, pace wise. Um, yeah, that start was odd, wasn't it? I thought I listened to it on YouTube first of all, and I thought it was one of those ads that you get before you hear a track, sort of baby food or something. Um, and then it became clear that it wasn't that when the riff kicked in and. Um, yeah, the one thing, if there was one thing missing, was a little bit of, you know, upping the ante speed-wise, and they've done that on this. Super track. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so bothered about it, uh, actually. I, th I think it's his, uh, he, there, is, there is a bit too much screaming on the vocals mm -hmm. in this. A bit more straightforward for me compared to some of the other things, uh, some of the previous tracks on the side. So a little bit of a dip at the end of the okay. side, as far as I'm concerned. Mark? Well, you may remember there was another track way back in episode two that called out of control called out of control out of control and i didn't much like that oh yes um, that's right and i don't much like this for exactly the same reasons because it is exactly what it says on the tin it's out of control it's out of control i knew you'd love it steve but i'm not not smitten right so that is side one done let's flip this over uh so five more on side two 
finishes with evil spell before that stuck in rock before that where to hide before that run away and before that starting the side is the end of the night which i love oh, this is more progressive really bass driven it's got uh, the iron maiden gallop appearing again i've got iron maiden meets armored saints on my notes for this yeah i like this a lot Call out to Dan Hughes. He he really goes for it on the drums uh, mm. in uh, in End of the Night. Like it a lot. I like the Armoured Saint bit. I'm not overly fussed about the Iron Maiden bit, if I'm being honest. It's all a bit straightforward. That that bit of it, that gallop, is all a bit... Yeah, well, I heard that on track one, really. So can we just do something different now? But, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's not a bad track. Yeah, you know, I haven't it's not got a low score at all. You can unashamedly hear their influence. It's kind of... They were massive Maiden fans, weren't they? Made no... You know, made no apology for that fact that mm. that was the sort of you know bedrock of uh, of, of their style. Um, but they have, you know, which they've moulded into themselves and they've done their own thing with. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's 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 clever stuff. Do you tire of a gallop? Really? Probably not. I like this. Yeah, I like it a lot. There's a couple of better ones to come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, it's yeah. Well, it's <laughs> Runaway might be one of them. Might be this uh, rather faster, lighter, thrashier track uh, to start with. But then, I mean, then it drops again into that, that really heavy riff, which I really, really like. It's like segueing from ACDC into Metallica. It's yeah, pretty yeah. impressive. <laughs> yeah. Or, or indeed, segueing from Wasted Years into Metallica. <laughs> yes, yes. If you were went to see Metallica on the Puppets tour and the warm-up band was doing this, it yeah, would put yeah, you yeah. right in the mood, wouldn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But it's not the best track. <laughs> okay well steve where to hide is uh is the next one yeah slightly slower again i could hear some gillen influences in in this one he was a gillen fan that was who he modeled himself on vocally i think he erred more towards bruce dickinson by the end of his uh training but um yeah gillen was apparently his um his idol and hero yeah this is it this is this is wow this is wow plus two after um dare to spit but it's it's the little things in tracks that you know when they're written so well they can take them. There's a there's a, in this track there's a, there's a drop out of the verse into the chorus. I don't know. It just hit, the writing of that, the scanning, the phrase, it just just bullseye. They just absolutely nail it. It's just brilliant. And of course they repeat it again at the end of verse two. Oh, and in the meantime the riff, you know. Um, oh, and the solo. Oh, and the outro. So it, it's just it's just mustard. It's it's a really well written and thought out track. I just love that drop um, out of the verse and into the chorus. I think it's brilliant. I kind of get the feeling that these guys are in the studios and they're just lost in this. They're just, you know, for them, they're playing a gig, aren't they? Yeah. Whereas Chrome Molly, it's all kind of quite, in a, in a nice well way. Behaved, well behaved, isn't it? Well behaved, quite contrived, <laughs> you know. And, and, and then you get this and it's like full frontal attack, but almost like they're oblivious to it. They're just, they're just, they're not even aware that they're mowing you down. You know? yeah. yeah, just just in the zone kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, completely yeah. in yeah. the zone. Okay, so we're two away from the end. Uh, Stuck in Rock's track nine. So this was, so Mark, you you bought this on the strength of Stuck in Rock, or is the first track you heard off it? What, uh, no, Richard, I bought it on the strength of the album. Of the cover. <laughs> <I've been through laughs> this. But this was the track that stood out for me. Right, okay. Yeah. So this is the one track I knew. And when I heard it again, I thought, blimey, I've heard this before. It's so long since I'd have played that mm. tape, funnily <laughs> enough. Because I have moved yeah. on 
into a, a more modern age. <laughs> Although I've still got it, funnily enough, and I love this at the time. And you're right, funnily enough, I mean, I still think it's a great track, but there's yeah. four or five of it that are better than this. But back in the day when this was kind of new to me, this felt spot yeah. on, absolutely spot on. Well, it's got a big bouncy riff, hasn't it? it has, you know, yeah. It's got a riff, yeah. and, it's, and it's quite melodic. He reigns his voice in, well, a little bit. He reigns his voice in, and although we had Metallica and, you know, we'd had Master of Puppets the same year, hadn't we? There still wasn't an awful lot of, oh, we got Megadeth, but there wasn't a lot of this kind of stuff around, not that I had been exposed to. So, you know, it was quite fresh for me, mm. whereas now you kind of, with all of the other stuff that I've listened to over the years, and particularly over the, the two years that nearly that we've been doing the podcast, there is a kind of a sense, isn't there, that your ears are more educated, so you, you're probably more receptive to other stuff or certainly i am so yeah mm -hmm. it's a good song not the best it is a good song yeah all right one more to go then uh, the album closes with a track called evil spell which i suppose deserves the sort of moody atmospheric start that, that it has but then he's, he is wailing a bit in this isn't he Bit of wailing, bit of Mustaine-like spitting, but I, it's got a fair bit of menace to it, hasn't it? This again, interspersed by some melody. Uh, yeah, this this is a solid finish for me. It is solid. It's a little bit different, isn't it? Well, I was kind of anticipating, you know, just one last blast of sword, and they just go a little bit off message, but you, you don't lose the power. Um, but you're right; it's definitely a bit blacker, isn't it? A bit more merciful mm. fate, perhaps, in its approach. Okay, well, time for some highs and lows, gents. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I'll go first. My high is Dare to Spit, and my low is End of the Night. Yeah, Dare to Spit is the high, and the low, <clears throat> Runaway. Okay, and for me, Out of Control uh, is, is, is my low. And um, the end of the night uh, is uh, my high. Okay, uh, that's Metalized, that's Sword, the second of our Metal Metal albums. Uh, and we now skip forward, what, just a couple of months, I think, in uh, in 1986 for the final of our trio. And Steve's choice, The Dark by Metal Church. Opening album sleeve notes. Yeah, The Dark. Um, the sort of album where our process, our sort of scoring system, won't do this any favours, I don't think, because, you know, track by track we score these things to get the complete picture, and I think this is a classic. This is a classic album of um, great on one side, not so great on the other. First four tracks on this are just, um, you know, off the scale, good. And I find, I've always found side two something of a letdown. So this is the album of two halves for me. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is Metal Church, their second album formed in San Francisco in 1980 by Kurt van der Hoof, um, the band named after his uh, uh, the nickname he had for his apartment in San Francisco, Metal Church. He relocated back to Washington State, where he was from, um, because he, it didn't work out, and formed a, a new punk band called Shrapnel with lead guitarist Craig Wells, bassist Duke Erickson, brought in David Wayne and Kirk Arrington, who I've always thought has got an H missing from his name, but he hasn't. Um, and they reassumed the uh, the Metal Church moniker, uh, more because they were now playing metal, which is, you know, very definitely what this album is. So, yeah, released on October the 6th, 1986, um, on the Electra label. It's 43 minutes long, produced by Mark Dodson at Steve Lawson Productions in Seattle. Their first album was, was Metal Church, the eponymously titled, brilliant piece of work. Um, next album would be Blessing in Disguise, which is, you know, 
more of an acquired taste. And the personnel, the great David Wayne on vocals, Craig Wells as uh, lead guitar, Kurt van der Hoof on rhythm guitar, Duke Erickson on bass, and Kurt Arrington on drums. It reached 92 in the US. Um, certainly didn't chart over here. It's a 10-tracker. As I've always said, when you when when you first when I first put this album on, and this this kind of album is is absolutely right in my breadbasket. I just I just you know, love this sort of stuff. And when you go into Ton of Bricks, Start the Fire, Method to Your Madness, to watch the children pray, and at, at this point you're thinking, well, we're actually listening to the world's greatest album. In the future, when three tossers go onto a podcast and call it Enter Sad Men this album will be number one. That's what they were saying at the time, based on those first four tracks. But unfortunately, it just, it, it didn't like wimp out. I, you can accuse Metal Church of many things, wimping out wouldn't be one of them. It just loses its way for me. So I, I really like parts of this album, as I say, especially the front end. Um, and then it just sort of tapers away a little bit. But always have a soft spot. I, I might have bought it for the cover, because I do like the cover. Um, but I probably didn't. Anyway, what do you think? <laughs> I'm with you, yeah, about side two. It, it feels like they, all of the inventiveness and the creativity was put in these tracks on side one, the variety of side one. It it, it, it's, it takes you on a journey, and, it, you know, you're not quite sure where it's going to go next. Uh, side two is is just sort of lots of the same for me. Uh, not not necessarily bad tracks, but it, it pales into you know, you know some sort of insignificance compared to, to what was on the first side. Uh, but uh, and, and but yeah, the, the 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 first certainly for me tracks two, three, and four yeah absolute belters yeah yeah well track one's almost a prelude isn't it it's less than three minutes but um, anyway Mark you fan yeah yeah absolutely I am um, but Joe you must have had those occasions when you you know you've been putting together a playlist back in the day you've you've got your record player and you're putting together a playlist of your favorite metal tracks for the for the car um and you you go right okay I'm going to have that one first and I'm going to have that one second and that's fucking brilliant I'm going to put that one on there and then that one on there and you get to and you you're looking for maybe I don't know 15 20 tracks and you get to sort of five, six, seven, and you're thinking, hmm, oh, actually, you know, some of the rest of them aren't quite as good as the stuff I've already got on there. You remember that? We must all have done that, because I know oh, yeah. I did. And that's what this album is. You get, you can, you, the, the excitement builds and builds and builds and builds, and then you go, uh, oh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, mean, I appear. I, I appear to have peaked too early. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I have to say, I do like Burial at Sea um, on side two, but the rest of it I can probably take or leave. I think the first four tracks are as much uh, about as big a masterclass as you can have in brutal full frontal, you know, uh, uh, assault. I mean, interesting, Steve. You said you know that, that it wasn't. Uh, did you say wimpy? I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you could ever no. yeah. accuse Metal Church of being wimpy. But their their fan base, the fans they accumulated from the self titled debut, that was their essentially their judgment was that the band had gone soft mm. um, because it was all a bit too melodic, all a bit too yeah. polished, all a bit too rounded, and um, uh, and 
it does strike me a bit as a band that's in a sort of slight state of flux, doesn't quite know whether it wants to continue down that brutal sort of, you know, attack route or whether they want to be Metallica. And, it's true, yeah. You know, and and yeah. and in in trying to, as with so many of these bands, in trying to find that balance, I kind of think they just slip between two stools. And of course, by the time they get to the end of the dark, people didn't care because um, no. Blessing in Disguise couldn't sell a bean. I mean, they couldn't they couldn't buy sales. So you know, it was um, this was their big shot, and they blew it. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're David Wayne has gone, hasn't he, by Blessing in Disguise? But I mean, the, yeah. the, the problem is, I mean, the first album was produced on some indie label with Terry Date producing and Mark Dodson. They, they loved Mark Dodson to death. He came in and did this one, but you know, he, he overproduced it. The samples everywhere. There's all sorts of, you know, Vander Hoover always said he liked the songs but just hated the way it sounded. That there was a yeah. rawness and an energy about Metal Church which they just simply failed to recreate, and that's what they tried to do. But they're moving from, I've just checked, it was Ground Zero. They've moved from Ground Zero to Electra, and everything changes, doesn't it? With, with that step up, must yeah. do. And, and expectations change. There are more people looking at them, and they've got their ideas of what they want. And suddenly you, you become more of a commodity, don't you, than your own sort of, you know, pioneering um, force for good. Um, and I just think they got swept up in, um, yeah, what was expected of them rather than what they could really offer. But, you know, it's still a good album. It's still a, yeah, it's still it a very good yeah, album. Definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Right, what I didn't forgot to mention earlier, but Richard kindly did when he introduced Sword, is that this is the mid-80s, so all good good albums have ten tracks, and that's exactly what this one does. Five on each side, um, side one. We have Ton of Bricks, Start the Fire, Method to Your Madness, Watch the Children Pray, and Over My Dead Body. Ton of Bricks, this is how you start an album. Drums down into a battering riff. It's fast, it's aggressive, and just the lyrics ton of bricks it just it just it just earns the right to be spat out as nastily as possible and, and, and David <laughs> Wayne obliges <laughs> so yeah this will do for me it's less than three minutes long as I say and it's just straight down the road no nonsense fast as fuck aggressive heavy metal love it that's a brilliant track absolutely brilliant my brother bought me this for my 21st birthday and um and I was just blown away by this track yeah. more blown away by the next one yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yeah i was like well this is a lot better than the the debut album which a lot of metal fans ch- fan, uh, metal church fans would have disagreed with me about yeah me um, me and me, me, me among you, them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um yeah. but no I, I i sort of um because my ears were so young and unformed, I found the, first, the the debut album a bit too brutal, whereas this was kind of quite nicely comforting in a brutal kind of way. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> I mean, the, irony, the irony being, of course, the opener on the first album was six and a half minutes long called Beyond the Black and was about as dark and menacing as anything gets. The complete <laughs> contrast to this, wasn't it? But um, I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to when the debut album pops up because I haven't listened to that in 30 years. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, good stuff. Yeah, ton of bricks, Richard. Yeah, it's quite punky, isn't it? I mean, there's a ton of bile and spit on it, isn't there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted to have been in the same room as him when he recorded the vocals on this. <laughs> but it's a really interesting sort of segue into "Start the Fire" track two, which is, um, I think, mean, cool. I mean, that's probably the wrong word, but it's, um, it's, it's a mean song. It pays down from the opener, kind of obvious, but it's still an absolute headbanger starting the fire. Um, yeah. Wow. I mean, just wow. 
Oh, I love it. It's just one of my favourites. It's just, it's yeah, I mean, it's mid-paced, but it's just relentless. Mm. It's just absolutely relentless. And one of the great choruses, full stop, of all time in the world of heavy metal and indeed all pop music and indeed all music. Um, it's the scanning, those little drum touches, and then, you know, start the fire, bring down the hammer, start, start the fire, burning on. It's just... Such a load of menace in there. It's um, that's brilliant. Well, that's the, fra- the phrasing is absolutely perfect, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah, really yeah. Is. The little stop, the stop into it yeah. is um, oh, genius. Yeah. Genius. We don't lose an awful lot of momentum with um, Methods of Madness, which is the third track. Um, uh, you know, not a mean son of a dog, but also the real first for me, the first kind of obvious hint of New Horizons, because what mm. starts out as really pacey, yeah, yeah. decent, pacey, high energy metal number, uh, you know, it's not thrashed by any stretch, but after a couple of kind of verse chorus combos, we then sort of drop into this really mellow, tuneful interlude mm. driven by the bass guitar, which you'd never have seen coming. And then it sort of morphs back into the ending. It's, it's a fascinating track. If you detach yourself completely from what um, Metal Church did on their album, on their debut album, just kind of part of that. Um, except this is the new metal church. It's really good. It really is good. But that for some, for a lot of people, they'd have struggled to sort of compute this after after um, metal church. No one would have guessed, would they, with this? No. Uh, it's proof that Wayne's actually got a very nice voice when he sings normally. Yeah, and it makes you wonder what they would have achieved with him if if it if it had stuck with them as as an improving singer. You know, for the third album, but um, anyway, fired because he was a smackhead, wasn't he? So that was that. You know how you use the analogy of the pickups in the sunlight, and then yeah. the clouds coming over for Chrome Molly. <laughs> yeah, I've murdered that one. What you got? Uh, n- nothing to do with pickups and sunshine. Um, <laughs> yeah. This, this for me, this track, Methodian Madness, is it feels like a a, a car at, going, you know right on the top of its revs and then yeah it's sort of slowing down slowing down slowing down and then it's back on the gas again i just i love this track i think this is a great track i really do but maybe that's because i like the more melodic stuff maybe that's it yeah what i'm getting there for that you'll love track four because um this to me is the is the high point of the album it just it's kind of reached the crescendo which is watch the children pray an mtv favorite it's hard to believe in it. Metal Church, MTV favourite. The two sentences shouldn't combine, but they do. Uh, and this was the song because of the airplay it got on cable TV. This was this was the song which made Metal Church certainly accelerated sales of this album. Anyway, well, if, if no one's heard "What's Children Pray," it's just this towering, brooding kind of metal epic that you know good power metal bands you know can do so well if 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 they want to sort of allow themselves to. Uh, to sort of drift, you know, an ebb and flow. And that's what this does. You know, I love the buildings, that massive riff into the chorus, the big vocal harmonies, more clout. It's just the build um, on this. Um, it's it's so song. dark, isn't it? Mm. It's actually mm. so dark. The yeah. weight on yeah. your shoulders is incredible. Heft. Yeah. I love this shift between gentle and menacing, isn't it? Yes. It's that massive mood shift. Magnificent song, you know. Majestic. Yeah. Um, as, as, as good as as good as they ever did. So we're agreed on the high already. Are we unanimously? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would suggest so. Well, I, I, I will I will put it out there that over my dead body will be um, will not be a contender, which is the, which signs off side one. Uh, it's, you know, this is um, David Wayne sounding more 
Udo than Udo. Um, and it's the kind of first false move for me. I'm not, it's not a bad track, but it's, it, yeah, it happens by accident to uh, trail in the wake of four monsters. So, um, yeah. I love some of Arrington, Arrington's drum work. Uh, oh, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I'm, and I, I'm sure Richard's about to uh, explain something that might appear in his drum repertoire here, but because um, there's definitely some cowbell in there. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's an enormous company on side one, and it will be, you know, shouldn't be judged accordingly. It's fine. It's fine. It's the brilliant company it's kept. I'm still giving this a good score. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the pace. I love the driving riff. I love the Metallica-like middle section. I mean, even more or less tolerating his screaming at this stage. <laughs> yeah. Just about, I think. Yeah, strong finish. How much cow does it get a score on Ultimate Cowbell? I didn't actually check for this. Oh, come on. Can we now, do that man. check now? Can we I'll do, I'll, do, I'll, do, I'll do it now, yeah. Live on air. Come on. Here we go. So, no, um, my favourite nightmare gets an, an entry on ultimatecowbelt.com, but over my dead body doesn't. Can you report that, please? Um, thank you. Right, side two starts with, uh, I say, five more tracks, obviously, and it starts with the title track. Um, and I think the rot starts to set in here. I'm with Mark on, on Burial at Sea, which we'll come to in a bit, which is a which is the, the exception to the rule on, on side two. But the dark, I'm just, um, you know, it's quite a grand number. Lots going on. Decent enough, but not much more than that. But, and I like the sinister opening to it. That's quite theatrical. But Wayne almost loses it straight from the off. <laughs> and I'm just not bothered about the chorus. Really? And I'm, and I'm, and I'm sure I've mentioned before. Yeah. See, I, I like this. I like the chorus. I think it's really yeah. interesting and different. Yeah. Nah. No. I've never had it. I've never had that chorus at all. <laughs> I did, it's just almost like a... No, I don't know what it sounds like. Just not good. I quite like it. I mean, it, it's a, it is it is pretty theatrical, isn't it? I yeah. mean, would it have been better with his voice two octaves lower? Yes, I can't decide. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not. And, and he, I, I'm not sure if he's trying to sound menacing, but ends up just feeling a bit scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sounds like a cartoon character in that rushed chorus as well. I can't. Um... The problem for me with this track is that he's he's. You're right. He's. It's the it, it's the number of octaves above where he's comfortable that he's operating. That's the problem, isn't it? Because it is a bit kind of you know you kind of you're starting to wince a bit as he gets up the top there. You are. And, it, you are. and I think maybe I like the chorus because it feels a bit more. Oh, thank God he's come down from the ledge. <laughs> Possibly, yeah, maybe. Anyway, we don't speak ill of the dead, and um, the, we we miss we miss the old boy. Track seven is Psycho, and you know me, I love my metal fast. Got no problem with the pace of this at all. Um, I just don't rate it as a tune particularly. I think it's a bit confused, um, and you know, Wayne, it doesn't help it. Yeah, it's, it's almost fast for fast sake, really, and and and, and they weren't at their best doing that. There's a little tempo change about halfway through, which kind of, does it almost save it? I don't know. But it's just ruined by Wayne's vocal performance for me. He definitely didn't sing as jarringly as this on Metal Church. Mm. Can I just say that? I mean, they had nowhere to go, did they? They sort of said, oh, we've got this song. What's it called? Psycho. All right, how far far should we play it? (laughs) (laughs) It's not only Wayne. Once the uh, track gets going... 
all you can hear are the, the drums and the vocals. Yeah. There's actually some really good guitarists going on in the background there. You just no, can't okay. bloody hear them. Yeah. Uh, well, I wouldn't know that because I couldn't bloody hear them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we've wasted enough time on Psycho. Um, Line of Death is next, and uh, I've got it's better. It's certainly better. Um, one of the best songs on this side, but, uh, but not the most memorable riff. Um, like the chorus, like the line out the chorus, like the pickup into the solo. Well, it's be- better than the title track, and it's better than Psycho. And it's a nice little um, hors d'oeuvre for what's to come. Well, I mean, you're wrong um, in the sense that it's not better than the title track, but yes, I agree, it's better than Psycho. This is the dark, Line of Death and the Dark for me are the, the, the highest scorers on side two. Okay. Um, yeah. This is now just starting to yes. blend into the same kind of thrashy tracks. Could you, you could play any of these riffs and I wouldn't quite know which song it came from. No, I, mean, I absolutely take that point, which is why, therefore, you need a track like Burial at Sea, because that's what's next. And that, um, and that, and that elevates it, re-elevates it, changes, changes the direction that you're heading, Richard. It put, puts you in a, in a happier place, I'm sure. It certainly does me. Um, a brooding little beauty. I know you like it, Mark, don't you? Um, and you just don't need to look beyond the rift, do you? No, I mean, to be honest, you're grateful for anything at this point, I think, really. Yeah. Um, and this kind of... If this had finished off side one, you could have quite happily just, I don't know, used side two as a blackboard, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could. Put Barry, let's see, at the end of side one, and you have probably got, arguably, and um, you know, we'll never debate it, but we could, the best side of music that any band's released. Ever. Yeah. In the history of history. Of pop and metal. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 He, yeah, Beethoven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And no, agreed, well, we'll never know. For me, I disagree. I, I think um, Beryl at Sea and, and Western Alliance are just a real tail off. They're, they're okay. the two lowest scorers for me. Really? Wow. Uh, yeah, Beryl at Sea just flowed over me. No, not that memorable. What we got for Western Alliance then? Come on, clever clogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, well, I think, I think, I think again. It, I mean, from the first scream, I knew it wasn't for me. Um, and and, it, and again, the, the drums are just way too high in the mix. Um, I quite like the tempo. I, I think that might be um, yeah, my lowest score. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. Um, but no, re- really tails off with these two for me. Yeah. Well, Western Alliance is my lowest score. And um, yeah, I, love, I love that. I love Arrington's drum work, I must admit. And and the twin guitars, no problem with that. Um, it's just, it's the worst of David Wayne. Uh, but it's Alliance. the worst of David Wayne. All you can hear are the damn drums, really. It's got just awful kind of um, harm, harmony vo- um, vocals. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, it's it's awful, really. Compared to everything, it's not awful in the grand scheme of things, it, you know, but it's awful compared to, you know, what we know they're capable of. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna pause Western Alliance now. <laughs> <laughs> all my ears, all yeah. my ears. Time to call a truce. Um, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Metal Church, the dark, the uh, some highs and lows. Have we not chaps? What um what, what do we fan what do we fancy? Well, it, well, is this going to be unanimous? So yeah, so Western Alliance is my low, and uh, watch the children pray gets my high school. 
Yeah, well, I'm I'm with you on that. Western Lights is the low. And I scored, funny enough, scored Burial at Sea and watched the children pray um, exactly the same. But watch, watch the children pray is, you know, if you had to take one of them, be that one. B, hat-trick, hat-trick, clean sweep for, for the both of them. Yeah, Western Alliance, the low, watch the children pray all night long. There you go. That's um, Those are the three albums we've done for episode 54. Our job now is to go and score them track by track and see where they wind up in the Hall of Fame. Reviews complete. Initializing rating process. So Chrome Molly, it did better than I thought it might do, actually. Uh, Stevie gave it a 6.6 dead. Uh, Richie gave it 6.9 dead. I gave it a 7, just over 7, a smidge over 7, in fact. Um, but seven for if we're rounding down uh, to give it an overall album score of 6.84, which is actually pretty respectable, I suppose, when you consider everything else that is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, what about uh, Metalized, Richard? Yeah, quite good from all of us. Uh, given I brought it along, I, I gave it the lowest of the three uh, of us. I gave it a 7.45. Uh, Mark, you liked it a bit more than me and gave it a 7.59. And Steve... Gave it the most a 7.85, and that gave Metalize an overall of 7.63. Pretty respectable. How about the Dark and Metal Church? Mm, yeah, no, no apologies. No apologies for my uh, for my score with Sword, um, which I gave more than the Dark, um, which I gave 7.4. Um, you, Richard, gave it 7.05. Mark liked it more than most, um, gave it 7.74. Um, for an overall score of a shade under 7.4. Um, so there you go. That's the three albums, all scored track by track. So where are they for? Where are they going to fall in the uh, in the Hall of Fame? It's time to put the rock in a hard place. Opening the Hall of Fame. So welcome to the Hall of Fame. There are now 162 albums in the Hall of Fame. The Earth Crisis propping up. The lot and well at the top of the shop it is uh, still ride the lightning um which has been there now uh, for a little while um but to this evening's or this episode's albums well um starting at the bottom well that was chrome molly no surprises there comes in at 140 uh, between wasps inside the electric circus and 38 specials wild-eyed southern boys metal church are in at 94 um, uh, under Quartz and their debut album, and just above Phantom Blue. Um, and then, uh, well, uh, topping the lot in this episode at least, well, Sword coming in at 62 with Metal Eyes between Armored Saint, Delirious Nomad, and Queen's debut album from 1973. While you two were taking ages putting your scores into the spreadsheet, I did a little bit of jiggery pokery and had. Metal Church stopped at track five, stopped after track five. If there had been no second side to the album, rather than being at 94 on the list, Metal Church would have been at 25. Mm. So side two of that album cost them 69 places. <laughs> Which is amazing, really, isn't it? Shows you the, the margins we're working with. Mm. Yeah. Consistency, consistency, consistency. Yeah. 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 No surprise to the, the sort of one, two, three on, on the order for this episode, no. is there really? I mean, it always felt like, you know, Sword was, 
that much better than Metal Church, which is that much better than Chrome Molly. But um, yeah, I mean Chrome Molly, they, they, they've they've they made a decent fist of it, didn't they? I mean they've yeah. you know, they've they've come above, you know, and say so a special Anvil, <laughs> Runaways, Vixen, Merciful Fate, <laughs> Faster Pussycat. Motley um, Crew, even. I was, I was going to say, yeah, one of the biggest selling albums of the 80s is Come Above. Well, the one I was going to say is Come Above Raven. I mean, if you're comparing kind of Nwobum and second wave Nwobum bands, then, um, yeah. you know, it's a fuck sight better than than Rock Until You Drop. And, you know, I'd rather listen to to um, You Can't Have It All than, than Rock yeah. Until You Drop. But, uh, you know, the, the, the scores, um, you know, illustrate that, don't they? Mm. Yeah, totally agree. That was good. That was episode 54, um, all done and dusted, consigned to the annals of rock history. Um, we'll be back next time for episode 55. Do hope um, you'll join us for that. Don't know what little gems we've got, but gems they will be. In the meantime, of course, you can check out the website, www.entersadmen.co.uk, see what we're up to, what we've been up to, and um, pass comments, if you so wish, on, uh, on the state of play in the Hall of Fame as it stands. Um, so, yeah, until next time, all the best. Cheers. All music clips featured in the Enter Sad Men podcast appear within the context of criticism and or commentary, and as such are used under the fair use provisions of the exceptions to copyright rules of UK and international copyright law. To make sure the rock rolls forever on, Mark, Steve, and Rich urge all their listeners to show their love and support for the artists and writers featured on the show by purchasing the original music or subscribing to a licensed and regulated streaming service. 